0: Welcome to Making Waves. Welcome
1: to Making Waves. Fresh Ideas and Freshwater Science. Fresh Ideas and Freshwater Science and And Why why They they Matter matter to You. you. Making Waves.
2: Making Waves is brought to you.
1: Making Waves is brought to you with support from the Society Society for Freshwater Freshwater
0: Science. Science.
2: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Making Waves, brought to you by the Society for Freshwater Science. My name is Susan Washko, and I'll be your host for this episode. Before we get into the podcast, I would just like to say that the opinions expressed in this episode are either mine or the interviewees, and do not necessarily reflect the society as a whole. The topic for this episode is freshwater science at the border. We hear in the news about how the president's proposed border wall will disrupt wildlife such as big cats and butterflies, but we hear little about how it will affect freshwater and freshwater species. Considering watershed boundaries rarely match political boundaries, creating a physical barrier across a watershed would likely change aspects of the system. I wanted to learn a little more about what kind of freshwater research happens here in the border region, especially since it's such a tense atmosphere to work in. So I reached out to four aquatic specialists in Tucson, Arizona, to see what kind of binational projects they work on at the border, these the barriers these projects face, and the benefits of binational projects. The interviewees were... Claire Zagmeyer, an ecologist with the Sonoran Institute working on the binational Santa Cruz River and its water quality and wildlife, in addition to other factors. Miguel Grajeda-Garcia, an international student from Mexico studying at the University of Arizona for his Ph.D. Miguel's research focuses on the Sonoyta mud turtle, an endangered species found only in two locations, one on each side of the border the Sonoyta River in Sonora, Mexico, and Quito Paquito Springs in Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument, Arizona. Joaquin Murieta saldivar a cultural ecologist with the NGO Watershed Management Group in Tucson. Joaquin specializes in community-based approaches to watershed management that enhance multicultural aspects of the watershed in addition to resilience. And lastly, Elia Tapia, another U of A International PhD student from Mexico, and Senior Research Specialist at the Water Resources Research Center. Elia works at the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment Program, a joint effort between the U.S. and Mexico to evaluate shared aquifers. I learned a lot from these folks, so I've organized pieces of our conversations into a discussion of the questions that I mentioned before. So the first thing was that I asked each person about their work to better understand what sort of freshwater science is occurring here at the Arizona-Mexico border.
3: So, Sonoran Institute has been working for a long time in two places um, along the us mexico border. In Mexico, my colleagues are leading a big restoration effort in the Colorado River Delta, and then I've been working uh, for the last decade along the Santa Cruz, um, more locally here in Arizona, um, tracking conditions in a stretch of the river near the border that receives treated wastewater that comes from both sides of the border. So tracking conditions and communicating them via a report series called The Living River.
4: Uh, Well, to answer to that question, I can talk about the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment Program. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been working on that program uh, since its early beginnings in 2012. I actually started working for the Mexican team because I was a master's student at the geology department at Unison. So I started working there, I finished my master's degree, I wanted to go for more so I came here and I kept working for the same project. So it's like I'm like a double agent that works (laughs) for both countries but it's good because it's for the development of scientific research and and it it actually worked uh, really well. The commissioners from both the US and Mexico, they got together, they signed uh, this cooperative framework that allowed both countries to start working on the priority aquifers. The aquifers that we study here in in the Arizona-Sonora border are the Santa Cruz and the San Pedro. Uh, the, transbound- the binational study of the transboundary San Pedro Aquifer is one of the biggest milestones of this project. So it's a huge report, it's 168, around 168 pages, it's long and it has information that starts with like the physical characteristics of the study area. We talk about hydrology, we talk about geology, geophysics, your chemistry, um, and we also analyze some of the hydrologic models for the area. Uh, a section that was important on the project was the recommendation because uh, even though we started, we did a lot of work. Uh, trying to harmonize different sources of information and providing something that talk about both the US and Mexico that you were, it wasn't separate this time. So Uh, it was was really important. But the thing is like, there's always more to do. Like this data, it can serve for the development of Uh, hydrologic models or groundwater models so some of the recommendations also like keep monitoring and there were a lot of things that we we have to keep doing in order Mm -hmm. to keep like promoting uh, the understanding of these shared aquifer uh, systems so this report was released in 2016 We are also working on on a similar study for the Santa Cruz. It's currently under USGS review, and we hope to have it done by early next year, hopefully.
0: When I first came to the US, here to Tucson to study at the U of A, uh, I joined something that at that time, and still called today, the International Sonoran Desert Alliance. And it was a community based organization. And with that organization, which we helped install, it was Mexico or Sonora representation, Tohono Odom, as well as the US. So that, was not, that wasn't binational, it was, was actually trinational, yeah. <laughs> uh, with the Odom Nation being part of that. So we did a lot of community collaboration, engagement, visioning, in terms of the, son- of the power of the Sonoran, the binational power of the Sonoran Desert. And what that meant at that time, I'm talking in the early 90s, uh, to strengthen those collaborations binationally. nationally uh, We influenced several programs With uh, the federal, state, and local governments, Uh, there were some agreements signed and things like that, Um, and because of that, at some point, it was the sister uh, parks exist between Oregon Pipe and the Pinacates. Uh, Because of that, also the designation of the Pinacate as a biosphere reserve in addition to the Upper Gulf uh, Biosphere Reserve along the Colorado, in the Delta of the Colorado River in Mexico. So is the, or that community effort was highly influential to the point that Park Service used to have uh, annual budget for uh, sister parks. Uh, There were some visionings of creating corridors up to 100 miles on both sides of the border in wow. terms of protection and conservation and things like that. So the dynamics, the energy, it was fully a collaborative effort, uh, tri-nationally slash bi-nationally between different cultures and different nations on how the border was actually blending uh, elements of cultures and nature. <laughs> but that was able to be done on uh, bringing visitors from Organ Pipe to the Pinacates and vice versa, and some people they never done that, uh, so it was nice to break those barriers, to talk with people on both sides, and, uh, and to understand the different protected public lands on both countries, mm-hmm. and, and that breaks a lot of barriers actually. Recently,
1: I have been working on this project related with the Sonora River, which is in the northwestern part of Sonora, yeah, right side of the border. There I I was working with the Pinacate Reserve in Mexico, so uh, we were involved with uh, different conservation projects trying to study the the depletion the water depletion in the river and also how this is affecting the, the native species like the Sanoita matoro and and two uh, endemic fish uh, that inhabit in this area. So it was very interesting to to be part of this a uh, big project because there are different agencies in Mexico and also in the U.S. that have been participating, uh, such as uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Arizona Game and Fish, uh, the Arizona-Sonora Desert Museum. They are being involved, especially uh, with people that have expert expertise working with. Uh, uh, freshwater fish. Uh, so they, they have been uh, going to this part of Sonora uh, to trying to uh, study the, the Sonoita pupfish, which is one of the, the endemic species there, and the uh, long fin long, uh, days. There, there are some refugees that were developed to to keep this species in case of the river was uh, uh, totally dry. So thanks to these uh, uh, researchers uh, we kept a, a good-sized uh, population in, in this part of Sonora. So uh, that's how the the research has been uh, keeping this these two species uh, still in uh, in the area. Also some other institutions in Mexico like Cedo which is the center of studies for desert and oceans is in in Puerto Peñasco. Uh, they they develop uh, a refuge for the long fin days and th- they have the only population right now of this the of this uh, Longfin days that once inhabit the Sanoita River, and they have it in, the, in this center in, in Puerto Penasco. There is many people who have been collaborating in this area, and I think this is very important to keep that binational collaboration.
2: The second question I asked was about the benefits of these binational projects.
3: So for the Santa Cruz, where I largely focus, we're really lucky in the U.S. to have um, this water being released, this treated wastewater being released into the river. It's sustaining uh, aquatic habitat. It's recharging our aquifers, and it's um, really the river is important for our regional economy. And so. A lot of the water is coming from Mexico, so we need to have a binational look and approach to it. So we're tracking conditions and understand how important the stretch of the river is. But we also recognize that um, Mexico um, is part of the <laughs> part of the equation.
0: So if we talk about binational things. It's very interesting to ask nature that. So, nature, how do you feel about working binationally? Nature is going to respond. Maybe just what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, my borders as nature is more on ecosystems, is more on watersheds. It's more. Those are my natural borders. But in terms of binational borders. Nature is going to say, well, what are you talking about? So saying that, the importance of the binational work, by national collaboration, binational intentions is to bring nature back to the natural thinking. So can a US scientist and a Mexican scientist that are working on the same watershed, that are working on the same mountain range, come together and talk about okay how are we dealing with these issues i mean you have some issues i have some issues nature is the same but the issues for the most part they are political they are human they are community so at the end they are human elements that influence nature so it's very important the collaboration by bi- nationally trinationally or multiculturally Uh, to come and understand nature and see how can we work towards nature. Not towards my country or towards your country, it is towards nature. Uh, So it makes total sense for me to have binational, trinational, multicultural collaborations when we talk about nature.
4: Well, as I mentioned before, there is no sweetie for groundwater management. uh, And this framework that we have uh, is entitled to assessment only. Uh, but the principles of agreement and the successful collaboration efforts in this priority aquifers have proven this to be a useful tool for promoting collaboration between uh, the two countries. So, mm-hmm. so what happened, it, it's, a Google, it's a good example that says we can work together, we should keep going and we should work more together, uh, improving the understanding uh, of this shared aquifer systems uh, is an essential step uh, towards the development of future water management agreements between the US and Mexico.
1: The benefit is oh, the exchange of experience. Oh, every group has a different experience, have a different way to work, and it's always beneficial to be able to know what the other group is doing and how they are solving problems that we may have in the future or probably uh, the other group that is working next to me found a better solution for a problem that I I am also having. Mm -hmm. So that's always uh, uh, very useful to to work together and to exchange uh, information.
2: Third, I wanted to know what sorts of barriers there were for successful binational projects or for project completion.
3: Well, for the work along the Santa Cruz, um, there's a few different challenges. Um, data is, is sometimes limited, so we can't always have the level of detail that we'd want. Um, and access can be challenging because much of the river is privately owned. But at the same time, there's a lot of interest and energy towards doing additional research and understanding river conditions and um, just this last fall, at our annual Santa Cruz River Research Days, we facilitated a research agenda and so identified a lot of research priorities, so um, there's always more to learn yes. and we uh, are identifying the things that we need to do. Yes,
1: yeah, so sometimes the barriers that we had were like, we, we needed to have permits, permits uh to to travel to the to the other country in case we in mexico we had to have special permits to to come to the u.s to, just for a meeting or to provide information to to the to other agency we, we needed to have permits and sometimes that takes a long time so it depends on how the the situation is uh, currently is it may take a week or it may take three months just to get a permit done,
0: so I think that's one of the the main barriers for me and this might be too philosophical, but for me, one of the biggest barriers that exists for successful collaboration is the barriers that we as human beings create in our heads um and it doesn't need to be political. So the barriers that we create because of the background we have, because the education we have, because the relations we have, because the position I have, those create mental barriers in our heads. And sometimes that brings a lot of friction to collaboration. So it's all those mental barriers that we he- that we have in our head and they come down to nature. Mm-hmm. So it's very frustrating to see those political, uh, educational, cultural barriers that we have in our head being reflected in nature. So for me, that's a huge challenge. The other one is for us people that work in those boundaries of different political uh, borders is to be more efficient, I think in the way we present things. How do we present information that we know is going to create an impact on nature? We need to find better ways for us scientists, for us managers, to present information in the general, more touchy, more spiritual way, I think.
4: Well, uh, we faced many, many barriers uh, when trying to complete this project. Uh, The first one, that is the most basic one. Is language like we mm-hmm. speak different languages, mm-hmm. and it was it was really good to have uh, bilingual uh, members of the team uh, that helped a lot. Other type of challenges for the development of the reports. There are as basic as measurement units, for example. One of the major challenges we had uh, was the development of a binational geology map. Mm-hmm. So we had information from one side of the border and from other side and uh, from GIS, Geographic Information System, we tried to put it together and it seemed like we were talking about different things, like different units, different everything. So uh, there was a lot of work that was required for harmonizing geology maps and at the end we, we were able to make it, we have a bi-national uh, geology map that's really cool and I invite you all to just <laughs> go to the Water Resources Research Center webpage uh, for the Transboundary Aquifer Assessment Program and you can see the reporting there and other things um, that are important and I, I wouldn't call it a barrier but it's I, I would call it a challenge
2: mm-hmm.
4: The biggest challenge for this studies is to uh, develop a relationship of trust mm-hmm. between um, between the members so, of the team. So it was hard, uh, it wasn't easy. The first meeting, so we, we, we usually go to binational technical meetings every six months. We, we just go to a place, we sit and we talk about the, the project. So the first one we're like, okay. Here's the things that we have to do. Let's do them okay, fine. So we, we it was hard, uh but after several years of working together we, we can say that we developed uh we, we we even develop a friendship between the members that work on the project. Oh that's mm-hmm. great.
2: Lastly, as a fun question to end the episode, I asked each person what was the one thing that they wish everyone knew about binational watersheds or aquifers. This is what they had to say,
3: so our border is just this arbitrary line drawn you know or not drawn, but you know through the landscape, and it doesn't follow our watershed um, boundaries, so the river is cut in two, and the watershed is cut in half and it, Um, The Santa Cruz is actually the only river that crosses the U.S.-Mexico border twice, so that's a cool designation, though. It actually, you know, can make river management and watershed management challenging for that respect, because it starts in the U.S., flows into Mexico, and then comes back, and um, the border does not recognize watershed boundaries.
0: Water goes downhill. And rivers are taking our mountains to the ocean. And nature is going to find its way to bring mountains to the ocean. And rivers is the means to do that. What I want people to know is that collaboration exists. We need to elevate that. We need to empower that because at the end nature it will, it will find its way and it's it, if it is our role as managers and scientists to elevate nature or to restore nature or to help nature to bring mountains into the ocean we can certainly enhance that
4: Well, uh, people need to understand that the natural systems are enrolled by the political divisions that we create as humans. They don't know about international borders, they don't know about walls, they just follow their path. So that's important to know. And also it's important to know that any action that you do in each side of the border is going to have a repercussion. On the other side so we have to we have to be careful with everything we do and we have to take into account that uh, there are no barriers or or borders between nature.
1: Well uh, I think one thing that everybody should know is that rivers and most of the species that live there were here before that any human so uh, they were there and s- sometimes we we try to develop activities and use the water that is there and we change the way how the habitat is or the the way how the water is flowing but we need to to understand that not only humans depend on it but also a lot of species many many species because we are in the desert all the pretty much all the border is in the desert and pretty much all all the areas uh, along the border. Uh, Wildlife depend on this water to survive. There is a lot of aquatic uh, species, fish, uh, aquatic reptiles, uh, birds that depend on on this water. And if if we overuse this uh, water, funds uh, that may really affect the biodiversity that we have in, in Mexico and the U.S.
2: I had so much fun meeting all these aquatic researchers here in the Sonoran Desert and learning about what they do and how they work in a region characterized by political boundaries. As freshwater scientists, we try to understand freshwater ecosystems, which may be bisected by borders. To understand these ecosystems as deeply as possible, We work with our fellow freshwater scientists on the other side of the border. This episode highlights our importance as an international society, and as we strive to be more diverse and inclusive, we will become stronger and more successful. Here's to continued future collaboration. Thanks to all those interviewed for your fresh perspectives, and thank you for listening. This is Susan Washko for Making Waves.
1: You've been listening to the Making Waves podcast.
3: For more info, for more,
1: info, for more info, please visit us online
3: at the Society for Freshwater Science webpage.
2: Tune in, in next time. time
1: for another fresh idea in freshwater
2: science.